What does the future of LSU football look like? Let's take a look at some recruits that not just LSU, but a whole lot of SEC foes and programs around the country are targeting in the 2024 and 2025 classes. You are Locked On LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, thank you for making Lock and LSU your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. But do not forget, you can also find us on YouTube as well. We are there, of course, every single day and for free. My name is Caroline Fenton, and I'm your host, as I am every single day. You can find me on Twitter at Caroline Fenton One. You can also follow along with the podcast at Locked On LSU. Appreciate you for making Locked On LSU your first listen every single day. And joining Locked On LSU now is Locked On's official recruiting insider, Brian Smith. Brian, the people loved you last week, so we brought you back on. Always appreciate your time. Always appreciate your insight. I want to get started on one hot, hot, hot recruit. That is, you know, in our Locked On group chats, we're all fighting over this guy. Like, he's ours, he's ours, he's ours. And that's five-star defensive lineman David Stone out of IMG Academy. Is this guy worth all of the fighting that we've been doing in our lockdown group chat of which school is going to get David Stone? Yes. <laughs> in my opinion, is the best interior defensive lineman in the country. And he's earned that right over the course of several years. He, he was a kid that everybody knew about in Oklahoma, where he's from, when he was in seventh grade. That kind of puts things in perspective. Jeez. He's now, yeah, it's, that, that's rare, for especially for a big kid. Uh, he's right. 290 now, but he moves more like a 225 guy. He's very athletic. He's an inside defensive lineman that can rush the passer, which is the rarest of rare. Mm -hmm. And he also is a kid that's very motivated. I saw him a week ago at IMG during their spring game. Yeah. And even against power five kids, because everybody at IMG pretty much starts as power five, he was having his way with most of the players. So he had a couple of sacks in a one-on-one -on -one drills. He did very well. And he's just always motivated because all the college coaches were there. I was one of numerous media members too, but there were probably 20 power five coaches there. Doesn't bother him. He just goes out and dominates. And that's why Oklahoma, LSU, Georgia, yeah. Alabama, Florida, you name it, they've offered and he's looking at LSU as a possible visit. He's just trying to figure out when that's going to be. And all of the crystal balls, and things change, of course. We know that things change. All the crystal balls have him going to Oklahoma. He's originally from Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. He is an Oklahoma kid. But LSU is on that list of schools that he's considering, kind of warm on, quote unquote. He's visiting Oklahoma in June. What does LSU have to do to kind of pull him away from his roots and really you know, show off what LSU can be? Well, I think the biggest thing is just do what LSU always does, and that's have yeah. him in for a Saturday night. Uh, whether they get him in this summer or not, I don't think is that important because when we all of us ganged around him after practice and we interviewed him, I asked him, I said, hey, when we were here in March, you had told us that if it was possible, you would like to make a decision this summer. Yeah. Is that still applicable? And he kind of looks up and he goes, well, that was the plan. And as soon as he said it like he did, I'm like, okay, you're not deciding this. Summer. Right. You are taking your time. Yeah. 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 So he's just, he's just struggled with so many schools recruiting him. And to put it in perspective, he's got an offer from University of Washington all the way down to the University of Miami. Literally the entire country has recruited this young man. So it, it is hard. 
But I think it's better for LSU. A bunch of schools are trying to get him to come in June. I think it'd be better to wait now. Now, I didn't know that until last week, but that's my feeling now. And everybody wants him to like, he told us to try to get him to come like this one specific weekend. And the only one that didn't want him to do that was Oklahoma. So he just said his Oklahoma visit was just coincidence. He has no idea because everybody wants the same like weekend. I got a feeling this is going to drag out to close to signing day, if not signing day. It would behoove LSU or any other school to get him to come for a game day visit. Just my opinion. But uh, the Tigers were one of the schools he said he's trying to set it up with. So we'll just kind of have to wait and see. And it is, like you mentioned, the list of schools that he's looking at, hoping to schedule visits. Michigan State, Oklahoma, Miami, Oregon. I mean, I can't quite put my finger on where exactly this kid wants to be because he can go seemingly wherever he wants to go in the the country. Yeah, it's his recruitment is very unusual because he doesn't care about distance. Mm -hmm. Most kids have a parameter. Stone does not. So it, it it eliminates one of the things I look at because distance from home is often a very big factor. He he care less. He's got a good relationship with Florida, LSU, Oregon, et cetera. I have no idea how he's going to dwindle to even three, let alone one at the end of the day. God, I, sometimes I feel lucky that I don't have to make those decisions. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But Brian Kelly mentioned earlier this season that he his goal, his number one goal, is to get a quarterback in every single recruiting class. Is a quarterback there available and interested in LSU in the 2025 class? We'll get into that with Brian coming up next. I want to tell you guys about Bird Dogs because they are some of the most comfortable shorts that I have ever ever worn. I always feel so comfortable wearing bird dogs because it has like a stretchy waistband. So if you maybe ate a big meal, well, bird dogs will take care of that. You're not going to feel uncomfortable or constricted, but you are going to feel like everything is in the right place because they have the most comfortable, um, like shorts underneath built into the shorts and they're super versatile. So I have worn my bird dogs just laying around on the couch. You can even wear them to the golf course. You can wear a pair of pants to the office. You can wear them swimming. I mean, they are so incredibly versatile and they are so comfortable. And also, I just washed a pair of my bird dogs for the first time. They launder so well, so easily. I mean, I hate having to, you know, hang things out to dry or putting on a delicate cycle. Nope, don't worry about it with bird dogs. Super easy to launder. And I've heard Dave Portnoy, if you are a Barstool fan, that he does all of his pizza reviews wearing bird dogs and talks about how he hates the pizza, but his legs look great in bird dogs. So what is bad about that? So go to birddogs.com slash locked on college. And when you enter promo code locked on college, all one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-C-O-L-L-E-G-E, they will throw in a free custom bird dogs Yeti style tumbler with every single order. Bird dogs, super comfortable, always versatile. Check them out, birddogs.com slash locked on college. Well, thanks again for making Locked on LSU your first listen every single day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Brian, this is a guy that you reached out to me about. You said, let's talk about this guy because you are going to want to know this name. Your listeners are going to want to know about this quarterback in the 2025 class, and that is Deuce Knight. He's from Loosedale, Mississippi, which, to be completely honest with you, I have no idea where that is. I have never heard of it, but he's a four-star quarterback in the 2025 class. What makes Deuce Knight so special? Why was that one guy that you said you need to know about him? Several reasons. Uh, Number one, when you put on the film – the same throwing motion over and over that kind of reminds you of, okay, this kid, the way he throws reminds you of an NFL player because they're consistent. 
most high school kids, their motion is, it, it needs a lot of work. Yeah. Deuce, he could be an MLB pitcher with his motion. He could be an NFL quarterback, anything he wants to do. Very natural over the top. He's a lefty. He has the size. He's 6'4". He's going to top out probably at 215, 220 in a couple of years. But he's got two years of high school left, and there's only a couple of kids in the country that I would compare with him in terms of accuracy. One of, ironically, is Colin Hurley, LSU's commitment into 24 class. But he is a very, very talented player at throwing on time, on rhythm. And when things do break down, he had a spring game this past week, he'll take a hit and still deliver a bomb. He threw a bomb with a guy right in his grill and put it on the money. Those are the difference, differences between a good player and a great one. And that's why he has schools from every, kind of like David Stone, all over the country recruiting him. Uh, to put it in perspective, Notre Dame is going after him. They do not recruit Mississippi, and they're going after him. LSU's got him coming in for a visit coming up, and he's going to go visit Tennessee. He's had Georgia and everybody else come through his school. He can pick his institution already, and he's got two years of high school left. And with two years of high school left, he's 6'4", 185. I mean, he's got a really solid frame. But I want to go back to one thing that you mentioned of being a lefty. What kind of right. advantage and disadvantage does that bring a quarterback being left-handed? Well, it, it changes pass rushers because usually the fastest and twitchiest guy is on the will left. play. Yeah, plays the right defensive end because it's the blind side for yeah. a right-handed quarterback. It's just yeah. the opposite. So that's one way to look at it. He would be looking at the main pass rusher. But on the other side, a lot of quarterback coaches don't like lefties because the ball spins away from receivers differently coming off a left hand as opposed to a right. right. When a kid's this accurate, it does not matter because he puts it between the numbers. <laughs> so it doesn't really make any difference if you can just consistently hit your mark. I don't know who's coached him or what you know position coaches he's been around, but they figured it out because his natural throwing motion is just tremendous. He will be just fine, lefty, righty, whatever. So, and he's also a kid that's very mobile, very fast. RPO game, mm -hmm. definitely right up his alley too. And it's interesting too, how much things can change because the way that you may construct your offensive line is completely different depending on where that player's blind side is. But looking in the 2025 class, you know, you said he's scheduling or he's, he's planning to visit LSU shortly. How do you approach recruiting guys in so far away, so far in advance. I mean, he may want to go ahead and, and commit right now and still, you know, play out the rest of his two years in high school. But being so far out, two years away from two years removed from college, how do you approach that recruitment? Is it any different than you would in a player that's maybe in the 2024 class? It is, um, especially because he's a quarterback. Fair or not, they are graded, judged, and looked at differently especially when it's a kid that will I think will eventually end up when all the rankings get done. They're not really started all that much for 25. Right. He'll end up being one of the top 10 kids in the country, maybe the best quarterback. He's at least in the conversation as we dig more and more into these players. He's going to be the Pied Piper for somebody's class. Perhaps it's LSU. I don't know. But if he commits early and you're Brian Kelly, you would want him to be all in on the following subjects. Coming as often as you can to be around other recruits, making sure that you're not taking visits to other schools, et cetera, because, again, that's the face of your program's recruiting class. He's the quarterback. So, yeah, it's different, but he's a mature kid with a 4.0 GPA. He's a very smart kid. He's very easygoing. He fits all the things you want and checks all the boxes. So if you can take a kid like that early, academics and the social appearance, I, I would do it. Most, most teams don't want to take underclassmen quarterbacks unless they're really, really good. 
well, Deuce Knight's really, really good all across the board. So, yeah, you just got to make sure that he's truly on board with you. And if that's the case, hell yes, you, you take him. And that's another thing that you mentioned to me, that he's really just as impressive off the field in the classroom than he is on the field. And I think that that cannot be overstated, the importance of that for a quarterback who's going to be not just the face of your recruiting class, but eventually the face of your program and the leader of your locker room. That is everything. How often do you hear about the stories of a coach getting a phone call at 1.30 in the morning? Those are not friendly phone calls. Not good phone calls. Not good conversations <laughs> they have to have. Deuce will not be the, be the topic there. Mm-hmm. And when your quarterback is the phone call at 1.30, your program is going to take a dive. That's just how it works. So that's something they look at. And when I get phone calls from coaches from anywhere, SEC or otherwise, they don't ask me about, hey, can so-and-so play? What's this kid like off the field mm-hmm. is always the thing they want to know about because they don't trust the people always within a high school. Pro- they're going to promote their kid. Of course. And I get it. And I get it. But especially a quarterback, man, it's got to be a kid on social media that doesn't like the wrong things. He doesn't say the wrong things, doesn't put the wrong videos up. And it just, quite frankly, stays out of trouble. Deuce Knight checks all those boxes, too. It's the same thing that we look at, you know, NFL GMs and coaches going through the draft process. It's not just how you play on the field. It's how you spoke to the custodians within the facility. It's how you worked with partners in some of your classes. It's really getting down to the core of who these people are as people, not just quarterbacks. But one thing that we mentioned, we were talking about Colin Hurley this past week is how does he embrace walking into a pretty stacked quarterback room? So looking at Deuce Knight, You said with Colin Hurley, you know, he embraces that competition. He doesn't want it to be easy. If Deuce Knight does decide to play at LSU, he would also be walking into a very stacked and talented quarterback room. Is that something that you think works in favor for LSU or maybe against LSU, given Deuce Knight's personality? I don't think it would be a problem for either party. Mm -hmm. He's a very laid back kid who knows he can ball. It's going to work out for him one way or another. Maybe he ends up transferring, maybe he doesn't. He's too talented not to end up starting somewhere in the SEC or wherever he wants. Way, way too talented. He's going to compete, and he will not look at the depth chart. Like some kids, I get why they would. Right. But height, speed, arm, accurate. He has all the measurables that you're looking for in any metric. He's not afraid of anything. So I think it would benefit him because you want to go to a room full of dudes. LSU's quarterback room is legit, and they're going to throw the ball around. Why would you not want that challenge? If you're a true competitor, go for it, man. And I I think Deuce fits that. And to be honest with you, it does feel very refreshing to be talking about how stacked the LSU quarterback room could be because, (laughs) man, for the longest time, we have not had that privilege. Uh, It's been who the heck is going to throw the football this (laughs) season. So it it is awfully nice to have this problem. Coming up next, we want to do a roundup of around the SEC. What programs are heating up? Who's on the recruiting trail? We'll get into that with Brian coming up next. Okay, Brian, give it to me. What's the T? What's the what's the latest on some of LSU's SEC West foes on the recruiting trail? Whose recruiting classes in 2024 and 2025 are heating up? Who are going to be LSU's biggest competitors in the Southeastern Conference? There are two schools that are interesting to me that LSU fans are quite familiar with. Uh, and I'm going to leave LSU's bitter rivals like Georgia and Alabama out of this. They always recruit well. That's that's not changed. That's a given. <laughs> that's yeah <laughs> there's no reason to waste anybody's time there they're recruiting at an elite level Auburn's class is one they need to kind of finalize and figure out but they're trending well 
and they've getting they're getting some guys on campus that quite frankly the last staff did not. I'll just leave it at that. And they needed offensive linemen, et cetera. They're doing a much better job. I expect to see Auburn's talent level go way up. They they also took, if I remember correctly, 21 portal players. That's I mean, that's insane to me, yeah. but whatever. Auburn is going to have a completely different program by say 24. Recruiting high school kids part of it, the portal is part of it, and you freeze can coach. Whether you like the guy or not, he can coach. So there's there's somebody to watch. The other one is the one I'm like, and that's AM. You and I talked about that a little bit off the air. They had so many kids speaking of the portal that came in in that famed 22 class that left. They've had some of them even went to LSU, et cetera. Yeah. I have no idea what to expect. I, I spoke to somebody that's on the team recently. I ran into him at a practice, his old high school. He says they got plenty of talent, especially like the front seven of their defenses and that, but they're just not quite getting over the top now. Some of the kids aren't coming. And I just think it's, the flat out fact that they've struggled the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. They're not, their recruiting class for 24 is okay, but it's not in the same stratosphere as where they were a couple of years ago. They've started to go down. If AM does not have a good start to this upcoming season, and I wouldn't touch any prediction on AM with a 10 foot pole, and I'm not a better anyway, but if they don't start well, I have a fear that that's going to end very badly for the people in Aggie land. That's one program and one team this season that I'm circling and just putting a whole bunch of question marks by it because you look at the talent on that team, just the sheer oh. fours and five. There is so much talent on that team. And Jimbo Fisher is a good coach. He won a national championship at Florida State. So it just doesn't make sense in my head that Texas A&M at least wouldn't be competitive. It doesn't make sense that Texas A&M won five games this past season. I can't think that they're going to have two back-to-back down seasons, but I also have no reason to believe that this year would be any different. So it's strange. I can't put quite put my finger on AM. I don't think that you're uh, alone in that. I haven't met anybody that has a complete thought process on them. Not one. And I talked to a lot of college coaches, a lot of, a lot of high school coaches. So quarterbacks, the first thing they got to figure out. They right. talk about, I know you mentioned LSU struggles earlier mm-hmm. at quarterback historically. What's going on in Aggie land with quarterback the last few years has just been, it's hard to watch. It's like watching paint dry their passing game. And they've got, I mean, Stewart is one of the best receivers in college football, but sometimes the ball is just flying over his head. So, you know, they got to figure that out or they're going to be in the SEC West as LSU fans know, they're going to be 500 at best. Will Jimbo be back if they go 500 or less? They owe him 50 million or so if they want to get rid of him. So, but if I know one thing about a and fans, they'll get the money together. If, if they want oh. to get Jimbo Fisher out of that role, they'll find the money. Absolutely. It's yeah, the oil money over there in uh, East Texas is pretty good. So that pretty probably has something deep, to do with it. Pretty deep. want to ask about two teams on the other side of the SEC. First of all, Florida. I mean, Florida had a down year this past year. And obviously all of the off-season, off-the-field stuff. I I guess I can't really come up with a better word than just stuff, drama, bad looks for the program. I know that Billy Napier is probably not the most popular man in Gainesville, Florida, but what is Florida shaping up to be? It's too good of a program to be down for consistent years, but also on the recruiting trail, it doesn't look like it's going to turn around at least this season. Uh, I have several friends that cover Florida. I live in the state of Florida. I talk to a lot of the kids they're recruiting, et cetera. In a 10-second overview, they're not going to win enough games to go bowling this year, first off. They're not. 
Uh, they have major offensive line problems, which is hard to fix anyway. They lost four kids that were like graduating, lost a couple of transfers to SC. Mm-hmm. That's hard, and they have no quarterback answers. That's not going to work well when you're playing Georgia, South Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee. It's, it's going to be a struggle. And they play at Utah their first game this year. That will also cause – yeah. oh, yeah. I mean, Utah's extremely <laughs> well coached. Yes. So, And they got some NFL ball players. So I'm going to guess five and seven for them is kind of like that's the mark. Some of my buddies said, so I'll go with that. You know, they cover them. I'll go with that. And it's also hurt recruiting. They've got DJ Lagway who's a kid that just about anybody would have taken out of Willis, Texas, just outside of Houston. But their recruiting class is kind of stuck in the mud by Florida standards. Now, Gators have high recruiting standards, but they're not doing what we expected when Billy came in. They're just not. And I don't know why. It's because, you know, is it a lack of effort? No, Billy likes recruiting. A lot of the kids I've talked to said they like him. Many guys on his staff. But they're not getting quite the same effort and result that you would think. And I just don't think like there's they're so far away from what like Georgia and Alabama is, LSU, et cetera, in, in their depth. It's going to be a while. I just don't know how patient because typically Gator fans have zero patience, none. So they're quite honestly a lot like LSU fans. Right. But they're just not anywhere near where they need to be. And it might be two or three years before they get there. It, it's going to be a process. Kind of the the vibe that I've gotten out of Gainesville. And the other team in the East that I think is going to be very intriguing, really impressed this past season, but have a lot of holes to patch up this year, is University of Tennessee. And I read a really interesting article in The Athletic kind of asking about what, what does recruiting look like for schools that run an offense like Josh Heupel runs? You know, very high-powered, very spread out. And there has been questions about how well that can translate to the NFL. I think that that kind of shows in how you saw Hendon Hooker and Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt kind of fall in the NFL draft. And the question was, are you going to lose recruits if it shows that that offense can't really necessarily translate to the NFL? If you're a quarterback for the University of Tennessee and you're not going to be viewed as a first round pick because you played in that offense, hypothetically speaking, do you see that that hurts Tennessee potentially? Or is it just, hey, let's get in here. This is a great offense. I can put up a whole lot of points. We're going to win national titles, and we'll figure out the NFL when we get there next. It's a combination. Uh, Tennessee runs a very simplistic offense based on how the DBs line up. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, there's only two or three reads based on what the defense is doing and a lot of deep shots. Yeah. It's a fun offense to play in, but it's complicit with the idea of being easy. And that fun does not help you. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's very basic. So that doesn't help kids get to the NFL. It's just true. Mm-hmm. The NFL hates to spread historically because it has zero to do with all the reads with the West Coast offense and stuff. Right. The colleges don't have time to fix it in the amount of West Coast is super complex. You want to get four years and you could lose your job trying to teach these kids to play. So everybody's went to it, and that's why the NFL's went to it more. But Tennessee's recruiting okay. But again, is it really where they need to be? I think that the probation status that still hasn't been handed down by the NCAA with like how many scholarships and all that is a bit of a hindrance. And they also lost, I mean, the people you mentioned, like what the quarterback play there last year was insane. What do you have? Like three picks? I mean, he was, he was as clutch a player as there was in college football. And I'm no Tennessee fan, but if they were on, I was going to watch. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? That was much watch TV. Are they going to be able to replace that, have the NCAA cloud over their head and still recruit all the way to the end at a high level? I say no. And they're, they're, 
kind of in the middle right now with a lot of kids. Even Jonathan Eccles, the kid they've had committed for a long time at IMG Florida of all schools, is getting him on campus. That's not a good sign. So they are one of the schools to watch, a little bit like AM. They need something good to happen. They might even start a true freshman quarterback, which I never like. Mm-hmm. Those are tough situations. And, they, you know, are they going to beat Georgia or Alabama? Nah, probably not. So, you know, eight and four, seven and five is kind of what I would guess. And that's probably going to hurt them on the recruiting trail. That's my question about Tennessee. Was last year lightning in a bottle where you found sure. the right quarterback that could run this system and you had great receivers? Or is that what's to come with Tennessee? And I, I tend to lean the former rather than the latter, but I think this year is going to tell us. Brian, appreciate you so very much. Where can the people find some more of your work? At FB Scout underscore Florida, whether it's YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Um, I'm happy to talk football. I'm doing a lot of recruiting profiles. I'll actually have one of Colin Hurley fairly soon. Awesome. I'll break down his film, put his film on the page. But it's a lot of fun to talk recruiting, and social media is the easy way to do it. So find me at FB Scout underscore Florida. Appreciate you so much. We'll chat with you soon. Take care. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, thanks for making Locked on LSU your first listen every single day. Everyone have a very happy and safe Memorial Day weekend on Monday on the podcast. We will recap all of the action on Hoover plus stuff that we missed over the weekend. So check that out on Monday on Locked on LSU.